Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast, a brand new series from the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. I'm Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike as we find out about their real life journey to this point as they make four choices for the walk and answer four questions along the way. In this episode, I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Drew McComb. Drew is the Salvation Army's Assistant Secretary for Mission. Hello, Drew. Hi, Matt. Have I got all that right? Yeah, you've got that right. Just about to change a oh, role. Is it? What's yeah. it changing to? Uh, the Secretary for Mission. Oh, so, yeah. wow. Congratulations. Tell us a bit about the, the mission service. Tell us a bit about what you do in this part of the Salvation Army. Oh, the mission service uh, is quite a significant part of uh, the THQ and is kind of breaks into mainly two elements um, the centralized services in terms of our more of our social mission uh, in relation to HSU homeless services mm. uh, older people services uh, anti-human trafficking mm. and employment plus and things like that um, and then we have the support to ch- local churches mm-hmm. in terms of family ministries youth and children mm-hmm. uh, music ministries um, and enabling mission which is kind of just helping with resources to support people who are doing mission in the 21st century so quite a broad range 14 different units uh, within it so it's quite a huge thing it really does take in the whole breadth of the salvation army it's, it's fascinating yeah and tell us a bit about yourself well uh, i'm married yeah. uh, to beverly um i've been married for 30 something years yeah. <laughs> um we have uh, three children uh, darren catherine and Eloise. Yeah. um all kind of grown up and fairly independent now uh, and also I'm a granddad which I'm loving it's a great phase of life to be a granddad. Now before we get started um, on the walk we need to do two of the choices of the four so first of all I need to know where are we walking on this hypothetical Well c- can I change the terrain? Yeah. Can I change it from a walk? Yeah, oh okay whoa 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 hold on hold on now. Now, this is this is controversial and we're early doors on the episode numbers okay so what are we doing instead? Can we kayak? Yes, I'm in. All right, that's okay. fine. Okay, okay, fine. Well, if we can kayak, I can tell you where we're going. Okay. Um, uh, I suppose the, the best experience I've had of that is uh, kayaking down the River Tarn, which is in the south of France. Okay. And um, it comprised of about uh, 13 fairly significant drops uh, from the mountain down towards the... Um, more kind of valley when you say uh, drops that's like going like like uh, what i would yeah, call rapids, water yeah rapids going, yeah, okay, yeah, wow. yeah 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 Gosh. yeah and um and we did it very naively okay. um and uh, didn't really lo- realize what we were getting into okay but um it's kind of uh, the reason i ch- chose kayaking is because it's probably uh, great memories of our holidays uh, in france as mm. a family and just the appreciation of the time to spend with family mm. enjoy each other's company and and those experiences are something that, um, you know, are very simple, mm. but equally have a, a major kind of impact upon what's important to me mm. and my values in my life and mm. relationships. And, and holidays was always a chance to mm. recover some of that from the busyness of life. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm going to allow that rule change. Is that okay? It's a one-off, though, everyone. Okay. If you're listening and you're invited, don't be thinking about paragliding or anything like that. Um, so we're kayaking in the south of France. And who's coming with us? So you're allowed one living, one dead, one fictional. Well, if it's, if it's somebody I'd like to kayak with, mm. it would be a guy by the name of Campbell Roberts. Uh, he's now a retired Salvation Army officer in New Zealand. Mm. 
I came across Campbell when he um, was invited over to the UK um, regarding the work that he was doing with the social and parliamentary unit mm -hmm. in New Zealand. The, the main thing about it is for him, he was somebody who taught me to understand what you really value, mm. what's really important, mm. and let that dictate and shape how you respond in any given situation. Wow. And I think that was a... So I'd like Campbell to be on the back. Good. Um, okay, one dead. I remember very early days as a young uh, kind of Salvation Army officer reading Martin Luther King's book, Strength mm. to Love, and just being really impacted by the depth mm. about what this love is. It mm. isn't something that's superficial. Mm. And um, yeah, so Martin Luther King would be... Okay. Um, and then you're allowed one fictional. Who's the fictional? Uh, one fictional would be Frodo. Oh, okay. In uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like, and it kind of links to the kayaking in rivers because um, I think, uh, you know, it's quoted um, by Tolkien that Bilbo yeah. uh, used to often say that there's only one road, that it was like a great river. Its springs are very on every doorstep and every path. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door, he used to say. You step into the road. And if you don't keep your feet walking, then there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Mm. So, yeah, it's that kind of kind of adventure mm. uh, again and, uh, you know, buying into community mm. together on an adventure yeah. uh, for a purpose, a mm. real purpose. So, yeah. So. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, I have to come too, just because okay. I bring the microphone. That's great. It's You're very welcome. Thank it's you. a three-man kayak, by the way. To be honest, I wouldn't be any use in it anyway. Oh, well, you can the... sit in the middle. Uh, thanks. That's what I'm going to have to do. So every guest here on the Altering Podcast answers four questions. So, Drew, here is your first one. How do you face change? That's an interesting one because um, my wife uh, would describe me as someone who gets up in the morning and, uh, you know, with the kind of attitude, what can I change today? Really? Uh, so I have a fairly positive attitude uh, to change. Yeah. And um, it's something that, um, you know, I don't like status quo. Mm. Uh, I get quite bored quite easily mm. um and so therefore you know i am kind of a person who is actually looking to shape and change things mm. how far back does that go can you do you have memories of that as a child uh, or as a teenager is that something that's always been part of your character um i i i think probably has some roots in my early childhood mm. um my dad was a very strong kind of labor uh, man and supporter okay. he was a, a coal miner and uh, he had very strong political wow. uh, labor affiliations and yeah. opinions. And I suppose some of that social justice stuff um, was very much part of him. Okay. And that influenced me. Yeah. But I think in terms of it becoming more kind of a real um, was when I entered into ministry. Mm. Uh, and, um, and I suppose that whole thing about change was uh, in my first year uh, hearing an officer. And I remember his name, Will Davis saying to us don't become a maintenance officer mm. become a missionary officer which he was emphasizing this you know about constantly reforming mm. the church and mission is something that you know we should take forward mm. into our ministry and not just maintain the status quo mm. Um, so for most people listening, they'll know a bit about the Salvation Army and what it is. For those who maybe don't, who have stumbled across this podcast, uh, hopefully not looking for walking tips. Um, but if they found their way here, uh, uh, an officer is what in the Salvation Army we would refer to as our clergy. That's so, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the other thing that people may not know is that uh, officers move around quite frequently in the Salvation Army, maybe less so now than 
in decades gone by, but but still with some frequency. How have you found those changes uh, in your in your ministry moving from place to place? Well, I, I think it's about trying to, um, when you move into a situation, is taking time to do some anthropology, mm. if that's a rather grand word, mm. but kind of taking time to stop, mm. taking time to look, uh, observe, um, and uh, look at context. Mm. And when you begin to look at context, I think then, you know, in- inevitably, uh, then you can't just repeat what you did in a previous uh, appointment and place and the new situation demands a kind of a, a fresh look and a fresh approach and it's not just about continuing to do the same old same old and I think this whole thing about change uh, for me whilst you know on um, you know looking at you know the, the, the reality of you know what's in front of you I think I find that easier mm. I think in terms of change in terms of actually how does that impact your own kind of deeply held uh, beliefs, um, you know, uh, is is something different. Mm. And I think that's been more of a challenge in terms of when you've met uh, people in different contexts, Mm. um, uh, you know, having to change what probably has been probably almost a black and white issue in the past, and you're approaching people and situations and, and having to adapt and understand then you know I think what I've learned about that is that you know those changes are much more difficult uh, for me personally Um, and certainly in our day and age those issues are coming thick and fast Uh, no longer are they kind of fixed positions uh, in people's uh, understanding um, and the way in which they believe Mm. Um, truth is out there you know as a kind of a currency um, so it's a real challenge, I think, mm. in terms of when it comes to your deeply held uh, beliefs and none more so, you know, in our own family um, with my son who's gay and having to face that in relation to, you know, what I believed, which I thought were more Christian be- religious beliefs. But actually, when I took time uh, to observe them, some of that stuff was more around um yeah, it, it was more around, you know, uh, social conditioning, uh, perhaps, than, than perhaps they were in, and almost you just accept them. Mm. Um, but they're so deeply held, um, you know, that, um, you know, I needed to kind of uh, revisit those. And that's been a journey of which we're still in the kayak together. Mm which is good. Mm. And sometimes it's a bit rocky mm. in terms of working through some of those issues. But the, the main things I've learned about, you know, facing change mm. is that you listen. Mm. Yeah. You step back um, and you seek to understand rather than just coming at situations and circumstances from your own perspective. Um, take time to, you know, do wider kind of reading of stuff. Um, and dialogue is another thing. It's important to keep the dialogue open. And there are times um, where perhaps I found that more difficult than others. Mm. But dialogue's important. And, um, and I suppose holding on to, in the face of you know, not resolving stuff necessarily, mm. is a deep, deep trust in God. Mm. All will be well mm. at the end. I think as Julian of Norwich says, all will be well and all shall be well. 
and all manner of things mm. shall be well mm. um, is kind of a, a deep thing which underpins that kind of a changing circumstances, changing mm. hearts, mm. changing minds is something I've learned. I think we need to um, pay more time and attention rather than trying to come to a fixed position on lots of these stuff. It's not just the LGBTQ plus stuff. Mm. It's other issues as well mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I just think we need to be prepared to go on the, the journey and open our minds rather than kind of always seeking to kind of have a fixed position mm. at the end of the day. And perhaps um, something that we might need to live with in terms of change is that it's changing, mm. always changing. Mm. And we may never reach um, an easy fixed solution on some of this stuff. But the important thing is relationally mm. and that God's in it and God's it through it. Mm. And uh, that's important to hold on to. That's what gives you the stability and the ability, I mm. think, to manage it. How are we going to keep people in the kayak with us, whether that's in the uh, appointment, the ministry, the local stuff, the I want to change the chairs around, but, but also in the big stuff, in the really impacting, because we're not talking about, when we talk about some of those other wider issues, we're not talking about statistics or objects. We're talking about human beings, people, often people crying out to be part of faith communities. How are we going to keep everyone in the kayak together, even if we're not going to reach a fixed position? I, I think I think it's the investment in re, in the in the relationship. So mm. going back to the stuff that Campbell taught me mm. about the values, and if your values is in and through the quality and depth of those relationships, I think that's the most critical thing because you can have difference um, of opinion mm. and still maintain relationship. Um, and I think that is where, you know, we need to do some further investment. And uh, it's not about uh, uniformity on some of these issues, it, but it is about unity. Mm. So when it comes to facing change, yep. relationship is key. Yep. Stepping back. Yep. Make sure you've got the context. Listen. Yeah, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Yeah. 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 Great. And all will be well. And all will be well. I like that. Okay, let's move on to the next question. How do we move through suffering? Oh, yeah, big one, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think I think the first thing is to recognise everybody suffers, mm. and you know whether that be suffering through disappointment, rejection, injustice, mm. losses, pain. Um, all of those things can uh, paralyse us, make us uh, almost uh, break up on the inside. And I think, I think going back to another writer, if I could have had uh, mm. somebody else living along in the kayak with me, and but Phil Bull nicked him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was Richard Raw. Um, he has written a chapter in um, his book, Falling Upwards, mm. about necessary suffering. And I've, I've thought about that quite a lot mm. uh, in relation to when you look at you know, uh, discipleship uh, and spiritual life, that you... It is a necessary, which is what he's kind of uh, suggesting, mm. in order to push through mm. to the resurrection and through to the new kingdom, the new Jerusalem, or in, a, or in heaven and on earth. You've got to go through the suffering mm. in order to be for it to be uh, realized. And probably the biggest suffering is a death to mm. self, mm. and you know your own ego. Uh, so I think the first thing for me mm. is to understand that 
you know that is something of everybody's lot mm. uh, and we need to face it and, and embrace it and not deny it so that would be the first mm. thing acknowledge it i guess it's really important to clarify what we're not talking about an idea that our suffering is some sort of test that we're given like you know it's this is not some sort of like heavenly lottery where god is flinging suffering at us to see if we're good enough for him that's not what we're talking about here because what um, Richard Rohr talks about, and I know what, what we're talking about, is that sense that everyone suffers. Yes. And actually, it's only in moving through that do we really discover those things about ourselves. It's not that that's some sort of punishment inflicted. No, definitely not. No. It, because I guess people could mistake that, and people do mistake that when they read uh, some of Rohr's yeah. stuff or when they, you know, all sorts of crazy theology has built up around this over the years. What you're talking about is the fact that everyone suffers. We all suffer in some way, shape or form. And actually, it's understanding that that can be of benefit. Is that is that what you find? Yeah, yeah. Because I think the second thing, you know, if if the first thing is about acknowledging mm. the suffering, the second thing would be for me to say, what is this experience asking me to become? Yeah, it's kind of like, is it, you know, what is it about my, um, you know, Richard Raw again? He talks about the kind of second stage of life. What mm. is this suffering or is this disappointment, loss or rejection or whatever mm. it happens to be? How is it actually helping me to move into mm. that kind of second stage of life uh, stuff um, and uh, awaken, you know, that inner uh, growing mm. uh, and maturing? Mm. Um, yeah. Because one of the things I love about this question, and I, I think I say it every time, but I'll never get bored of it, is that, you know, Alexander John Shire, who, who kind of developed this yep. whole four questions in the quadrality, we're incredibly grateful to, and he's going to come on the podcast oh, as great. well, which is really exciting. Great. I look forward to that um, one. It's, yeah, it's going to be, yeah. But the question is, how do, we, how do we move through suffering? And I love that it's that rather than get over. Because yeah. so often what we want to do is get over something. It's like we almost want to jump to the end rather than understanding there is a high and moving through. And I yeah. think that's a really important distinction. Have you experienced that in your life? Uh, yes. I mean, um, yeah, my, um, my wife contacted breast cancer um, and, um, you know, we've had to work through that. Uh, and particularly the kind of the two weeks, <laughs> mm -hmm. which was a really concentrated time between the kind of going for a mammogram and mm -hmm. it kind of being discovered mm -hmm. and a biopsy taken and not knowing what was going to be the outcome mm -hmm. of that. Having to face all of that at the same time, it was just through Holy Week. And um, I looked back and I thought, how am I going to speak about Holy Week in, mm. in the midst of all this stuff mm. that's going on for both of us and particularly more so for Beverly? Mm. Um, but, you know, looking back and as people commented on some of the stuff mm. that we um, shared as part of Holy Week and, and, and Easter Sunday, they said something was going on for you. Mm. They didn't know. Mm. And it was only after that we kind of, um, you know, were able to share the, mm. sh share the news. But they said they knew something was going on because mm. we were having to work through mm. the possible, you know, you jump to the extreme, don't course, you? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the consequences of that. But we found the, the Holy Week story, the Passion Week, mm. so kind of supportive, mm. which was almost like a gift. Mm. Uh, you know the timing of stuff coming mm. together was 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 really helpful so that certainly has been a time when we've had mm. to push through um that and it's not the only thing mm. um but yeah that would be one experience i guess for a lot of people moving through suffering is difficult because we don't like to give up control we want to be in control of all the outcomes yeah. so we want to know what's coming and when it's coming and how it's coming and actually what suffering does is it it almost reminds us that we're not in control yeah yeah 
And I think that can be a really difficult thing for people and especially for leaders, uh, which you are and, and many people listening to this will be. Do you find that that that's something that you've struggled with or something that you that you can offer some advice on? Well, uh, yes, certainly struggled with whether I've got any advice. Um, I think it kind of almost forces you. It's not something you choose easily. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you sit down and think, oh, yeah, I just need to, you know, uh, choose this space in order for it to teach me and step back and hand over the control. It's kind of like it's almost at the end of the process sometimes mm. whereby you have to release mm. because there's no other way because you can't control it. You can't fix it. Yeah, you, you can't fix everything. Mm. Uh, and that's where you have to submit and surrender. That's another letting go of your own ego as well. I heard someone recently, uh, it was on a documentary on Netflix, actually, and they were talking about the word surrender. And, and again, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army. Uh, surrender is a big part of what the Salvation Army uh, instilled in me and taught me, uh, which I've always found interesting because a military metaphor yep. with such a heavy emphasis on surrender is a really fascinating one. Um, but this guy said in this documentary, to surrender is not just to kind of put your hands up. It's to actually say, I allow you to defeat me. Like mm. the idea that you don't just... You don't just go, okay, I give up, and then you kind of walk away, and then everyone. The, there's an actual true surrender is about allowing God to defeat you, to actually have all of you, to completely be in control mm. of that. Mm. Just listening to you describe that, Matt, I think it takes me back to a book. I think C.S. Lewis talks about uh, living sacrifices mm. uh, and living through that kind of surrender that sacrifice that giving giving up almost mm. um and he says the problem with living sacrifices is they crawl off the altar <laughs> and and i certainly experienced that stuff oh, you know, whereby yeah. you just go back from it and you yeah. try to grab hold of it again and take control of yeah. it um but i suppose what life has taught me that it's um futile yeah but but there is still still that wanting to yeah control yeah. I, I wonder for you how important has community been or other people been? Oh, hugely, mm. hugely. Um, yeah, and, and as somebody who uh, kind of works things out uh, through dialogue and mm. talking mm. rather than contemplating sitting alone, mm. um, community has been hugely important to be able to share, you know, what is... Um, honestly with people has mm. been hugely important and uh, just going back to that time when Beverly um, was diagnosed with uh, cancer I just want to pay tribute sorry I get a bit emotional oh, pay tribute to um, the guys uh, at Chatham mm. Salvation Army who mm. were incredible mm. but it's part of the surrender sharing mm. it letting it out mm. letting go mm. Okay, it's time to face another choice. Okay. What's on the playlist? What's the song or the album oh. or the mixtape? Or what, what are we listening to? Oh, well, this takes me back to my uh, almost uh, fairly rebellious teenage years. Oh, um, okay. Um, so it would have to be kind of soul music. It was okay. something that very was informative. Yeah. Um, and if there was one particular artist that, um, you know, I keep returning to in terms of my playlist mm. is uh, Stevie Wonder. Yes. Uh, the album Songs in the Key of Life. Yes. Uh, and again, that whole stuff resonating back to Martin Luther King and Justice. Yes. And I think the song, the song I, I want to highlight out of that album is Love in Need of Love Today. And um, 
Yeah, and I think that is so true even for our day. Mm-hmm. So it's still it's still resonating. It's still mm-hmm. on the playlist. Um, but I think uh, in terms of some Christian uh, artists on mm-hmm. the playlist, and Lauren Daigle, uh, the song is "I'm I'm Losing My Religion." Mm-hmm. Is is the song, and. The reason about that is because she talked about in the song, you know, that you have a religion that is kind of on set beliefs and the song pushes through those into so I can find you. So I'm losing my religion Mm. so I can find you. The the relationship, it's not the dogma. It's Mm. not the statement that is the thing that's important. Mm. It's the relationship. Mm. And yeah, so that's equally on my alarm call on a morning. I'm losing my religion to find you. Nice. So third question, how do we receive joy? Can I go back to another writer, Henri Nguyen? Yeah, please. Uh, He talks about you have to choose it uh, to receive it. Um, In short, the answer in order to receive joy, you have to choose it. And again, that's kind of looking for those things. Um, and being intentional about looking for joy Mm. and particularly you know when you're bombarded with so much rubbish and stuff Mm. that is not joyful at all Mm. um, then celebrating the very simple things uh, is is um, is important and and I mean everyday stuff Mm. And I think this like kind of links to the suffering question Mm. um, because you know you know joy is is certainly in scripture is connected to suffering Mm. so you know hebrews describing jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the suffering and uh you know the whole the thing from nehemiah about the joy of the lord is my strength Mm. um when they were going through some pretty tough uh, experiences Mm. and then that whole thing in paul you know in philippians rejoice in the lord and i think if there's nothing else that we can find joy about Mm. He was directing us, you know, that, you know, his circumstances was he was in prison at the time mm. when he wrote that letter mm. um, and, you know, surrounded by guards, uh, prison guards. OK, it was a house arrest, mm. but, you know, he was still confined mm. uh, and he turned that imagery of God. Mm-hmm. You have to remember from uh, Philippians 4, it says, you know, God, your hearts and mm. minds. He turned what could be a very negative into yes. something that he could rejoice in even in that place yes 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 yeah, yeah. Yes. it's interesting isn't it? it's something that i guess uh the salvation army was very famous for you know uh th- there is joy in the salvation army in fact yes. joy 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 in the salvation army if i remember three right. times yeah um so joy was always a big part of that and i guess if you look at the history historically that was a big part of the salvation army there was this um there was this joy and this vibrancy and this aliveness to what the salvation army brought when it entered your village or your town or your country is that still alive and well today do you see it in your work um i don't always see it okay and i think we have probably um to some degree lost a little bit of that Mm. kind of uh joy uh which is kind of linked to that first love thing uh so when john was writing to the churches in Mm. revelation you know um uh, your first love uh, was a reminder and I think probably we need to be reminded of our first love and find our joy in him again mm. rather than in the Salvation Army uh, and I think because because it was the joy in him that the Salvation Army brought rather than the joy of the Salvation Army that revealed Jesus if you see what I mean because that's a really important distinction you're saying that in those early days of the movement the joy of the Lord brought the Salvation Army to life, yeah. not being in the Salvation Army brought yeah. joy to life. Indeed. Yeah. 
And so if we're to find it again, then um, I think it's that returning to that first love. Mm. Where do you see it alive and well? Because I, because I'm, I'm again, I'm always really fascinated with people who listen to this. And, and again, it can be really hard, isn't it? If you're in your place and you see your thing and you know what that's like, and you maybe don't know what else is going on, you get to see so much of the Salvation Army. Where is the, where is the joy of the Lord alive and well in the Salvation oh, Army? Well, can I take you back to an experience um, uh, last Christmas? Mm. Um, I was invited to go uh, to uh, a pioneering situation mm. for the Salvation Army in in Deptford. Um, and Dave and Keris Cottrell and went along to an event because they started a community choir yes. in the Royal Standard Pub in Deptford. And this event was there. And um, it was their first inaugural kind of a concert, if you like, mm. for the choir inside the pub. Um, and they were doing messy church as part mm. of it as well. And, you know, just a huge warm welcome that that pub has given to mm. Dave and Keris is amazing. I mean, it's an incredible thing because I experienced joy in that moment because there was no separation between heaven and earth. Mm. And there was such an eclectic group of people mm. who kind of came to that pub that Saturday afternoon and uh, on a whole mix of people with different lifestyles mm. and yet were brought together and just to see the joy of both what you might call, well, some people had a relationship mm -hmm. with God, with Jesus, and some wouldn't necessarily know whether they had or not. Mm. And yet almost the two things came together and it was the most profound joy it gave me that Christmas. Mm. I, I kept talking about it to people I came across. Mm. It was something I just had to share mm. because it was so, it was so profound. Wow. Yeah. So that's where I've seen it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and I see it in some of those uh, new situations, but, I equally see it in some of the established stuff. So, again, just a couple of weeks ago, um, I was in Hastings and, uh, you know, as, as, as a normal part of the kind of the worship, just to have a sharing time. Mm. And I was encouraging people just to be kind of share life as it is. And mm. I wasn't asking for, you know, testimonies that are all about good and everything's great in my life mm. and God's doing this amazing stuff. But, you know, sharing the rawness mm. of life as well and just set that up to encourage that. And again, I experienced joy because there was both pain and equally there was kind of people coming alongside other people in response mm. to their pain uh, in terms of what they were sharing. Mm. And again, that was just a reminder, just how, that's how the body of Christ is meant to be. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be there for one another. Mm. And it wasn't the people at the front. It was the people themselves mm. who were the people of God mm. to each other. And that brought me great joy. Mm. Final choice. Yep. Uh, before we get on to the final question, what's in the snack bag? Ooh. Well, it have to be cheese and crackers. Oh yes. <laughs> so that would be mature cheddar cheese with some winter spiced ginger chutney. Yeah. There we are. Do you know what? This has really picked up this one because the first couple of these were all like you know Kendall mint cake and nuts and blueberries oh, no, no, and all no. that. No, no, no. no this no. is this is getting good. This podcast. We 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 are upping the bar. We're raising the bar. On the snacks that people bring. So some crackers, some mature cheddar. That chutney some sounds chutney. amazing. Yeah. I'm in. Might be tricky on a kayak. I've never tried yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. never tried to slice mature cheddar on a kayak, but I'm looking forward to it. Slice it before you get in there. Oh, that's all right. Okay, for pre-slice, that's good. That's why. Do you see? That's, see, that's a granddad talking. A granddad knows how to make a picnic. Um, so the final question is this. How do we mature in service? Oh, yeah. Well, this is probably... Um, 
something that I've um, been thinking quite long and hard about, particularly because of this focus in this past year in terms of the role. Uh, I've been trying to take some of the um, the the teaching of uh, Alan Hirsch mm. about apostle, prophet, mm. evangelist, shepherd and teacher from Ephesians 4 and how he says that's innate mm. within people of faith and no faith. Mm. You'll find apostles everywhere. You'll find prophets everywhere. And equally, you'll find them within the people of God. And trying to kind of look to embed some of that stuff into uh, as uh, within the Salvation Army. And the importance, again, it goes back to the importance of community uh, and the body of Christ. This isn't, you know, this wasn't written to a group of bunch of leaders within mm. the church this was written to the whole church mm. and you know within our churches there are people who are have those innate giftings and callings in their life already which may be kind of submerged which may be pushed down within them which may not be fully kind of mature or realized but you know we need to encourage that stuff out uh, of people uh, embrace it give room and space for all of it you know, Paul says uh, that those gifts and callings within the people who are the, they're that they're the gifts, mm. not something given to them. They are the gifts, mm. uh, which is the difference in that Ephesians four list of gifts. Mm. Um, they're the gift, and it's them working together in unity, which will realise maturity of service. And we're all contributing. Everybody gets to participate. Everybody gets to play. That is something which I think. You know, in my lifetime, mm. even in my leadership of local churches, I haven't really encouraged or fully pushed through to. But it is something I think if we are ever to rediscover ourselves as a Salvation Army, as a movement again, we have to, we have to invest in making sure that our people understand who they are. Interesting for leaders, I think, um, to, to kind of hear some of this stuff, because I guess as leaders, the temptation can often be to lead, yeah. to be the leader. That can be a real challenge to to ego, and I don't mean that in egotistical. I mean the ego of yeah. a of a leader, because by um, by releasing some of that stuff, it can feel like a challenge to your leadership, your skills, your gifting. How have you overcome that? Well, I I think it's about first and foremost the the thing in terms of maturity that I've learned about this stuff that this wasn't written to leaders. Mm. So that's the first thing to understand. This is written to everybody, mm -hmm. and everybody has uh, elements and innate within them these these callings and giftings. So that helps to kind of counter this kind of almost like um, you know caricature sometimes mm -hmm. of the apostle as someone who is a bit of a maverick out there, and you know you follow me or you're out mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, uh, you know, because that's not a mature apostle and mm. it's much deeper than that. Mm. I and mean, I think we need to help uh, us reclaim the definitions of some around this stuff. Okay. Um, and I think they're much deeper, much broader, much wider than perhaps we need imagine. Because I think, again, we need to realize it's linked to Paul's prayer about knowing the love of God, which is how deep, wide, long, mm. high uh, stuff. I think equally the whole understanding of Apest is much more broader deeper higher yeah. than the, perhaps we've uh, caricatured or pigeonholed yes. it into yeah. in terms of our understanding of some of this stuff which is why perhaps we've neglected it yeah because we've kind of pushed back against it we don't don't like that um, mm. and when we see that you know that being worked out as a kind of a lone maverick you follow me or else mm. kind of uh, our understanding of apostle mm. little wonder 
why we would reject that, particularly in this day and age. Mm. But I do think we need to reclaim it because mm. we've we, by by not uh, embracing it, we'll, we we well we have well Alan Hirsch argues that the Western Church has lost it. Because mm. for me, I think immature leaders stand on platforms. Mature leaders build platforms for other people to stand on. Yes, absolutely. It's about you know being a, a more than a one generational leader. Yes. Um, and therefore it's about actually being hero makers mm. rather than heroes mm. yourself. And if you could, uh, if you could then sum up what it is you want to achieve, what you want your service to look like or be characterized by, what would that be? I think the two, two, two elements. One is um, Jesus is Lord mm. as a foundation. I think we need to recapture that. And mm. I would want that to be something that, you know, we don't domesticate Jesus. Mm that Jesus is really Lord, mm. um, and I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing is is this uh, reclaiming, reactivating the original intention of the body of Christ. Mm. If, if I played a part in helping to that be more fully realized rather than this almost uh, elements of consumer church rather than participatory church mm. and community that... Um, I would want to be part of seeing a bit of a legacy that leaves a more participatory community. Everybody gets to play. Mm. Everybody plays their part. Mm. And that's a great message even for people listening to this because this podcast is part of your team, it's part yeah. of your department, part of your unit. Um, and I guess that's a really helpful way for us to bring this to a close great uh drew thank you so much that is it for this episode it's been a wonderful kayak uh, it's always a hypothetical hike i'm gonna have to find a k or a c for kayak but i'll come back contemplative <laughs> it's been a contemplative kayak i've, I've really enjoyed it it's been really fascinating I've, I've, we've known each other for many years but yeah. it's been really fascinating to hear you share some of that stuff and i know for people it'll have been really helpful thank you i'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the all terrain podcast mm-hmm.